Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 13 of the Jetman with a Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. Uh, I just realized something. What did you just realize? Is that I can say, I was just saying in my head, the intro to the show along with you waiting for my cue. Because uh, I have memorized it basically at this point. Uh, that is good, actually. I so I have a like regular listeners will probably know that uh, like for the opening and closing bits of the show, I have like a little script written out so I don't forget like what our show is called. <laughs> uh, which sounds absurd, but you should have heard some of the outtakes early on in the show when I just <laughs> completely flubbed it. Um, yeah, that script is not without without good cause. Uh, but I do actually have after in my script after it says Dave, how are you? There's a little parenthetical that says good, gl- great, glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, uh, Matt, I'm doing very well. Well, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> uh, today, today we are watching episode 13. It is called A Maze of Love. But first, Dave first. shining in the heavens. There are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Our first star of the week is a story that you are going to tell me. That's right. Because you have the first star of the week. (laughs) You know, you'd think I could have referred to the aforementioned (laughs) script where I have the five stars written out in order. (laughs) I was wondering, but whatever, man. We keep it loose here on uh, Jetman with the Golden Gun. So, Dave, would you like to know what the first star of the week is? And breezy. Yes, I would. I'm dying to know. Okay, so uh, last weekend, uh, my friend and yours, uh, Marty, uh, talked each other into joining a gym. <laughs> like like a drunk bet style? Or you just managed to overcome, like, gym inertia? Um, let's say 50-50. Right on. That's fair. So, like, you know, we talked about it, like, the next morning... Uh, like we texted each other, like, are we actually going to do this thing? Cause I'll tell you what, I do not want to cause that stinks, but yeah, the gym is awful. Uh, I realized I was thinking like a couple of months ago, like I'm 31, but that's fine. Like, you know, there, there are fit older dudes. I can be one of those. Like, and then I thought about it more. I was like, I'm not a fit younger dude. Like at some point, <laughs> right. You need like turn. a baseline. Anyway. So I thought I would do it before the new year so I can like not, do it as a New Year's thing, because I feel like that's going to have more sticking power. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Anytime you can avoid a New Year's resolution, I have found uh, you're just way, way better off. So this was a problem, though, because it had been so long since I had like done any sort of regular exercise that required mm-hmm. like special clothing. Oh, okay. That, like, I just didn't have anything that still fit. And so I had to, like, you know, go to Target and buy a couple of pairs of gym shorts. And, like, I don't, I didn't own just, like, white socks. All of my socks are, like, striped or argyle or red or teal or whatever. And those are not exactly, like, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to be argyle socks at the gym guy. <laughs> and so I had to do all that. And I got myself a combination block, right? Right. Like you do. So I bring it home, and I unpack all the stuff, and I make a little pile. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And the combination lock that I got, it was one of the kinds that you could, like, reset the combination. Oh, uh, I don't know how to do that, but okay. Well, it had some instructions, and I thought I knew how to do it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to set the uh, I'm gonna set the combination, and it's one of those locks that has, like, letters and numbers on it. Uh, I'm not... It's, I'm not it basically up. looks like a combination lock, but instead of all numbers, it has, like, half letters, half numbers. So you can, like, spell a word if you want to, basically. Right on. No, I missed my uh, I missed my most recent edition of Tumblr's today, so I'm not totally up. Oh, they've the got a great lock. Tumblr. You should check it out. Yeah, Tumblrstoday.tumblr.com. Uh, I'm Still pretty sure that's jokes. a lie, but there's probably something there. Anyway. No, <laughs> no Tumblr's Today is from... It's the, it's the lock magazine in Fallout. Sorry. Oh, okay. 
Sorry, I'm not yeah. uh, I'm not as up on my Fallout game as you are right now. You gotta now. get on that Fallout 4 train. Okay, so you bought a lock. Sorry. So I bought a lock and I went to change the combination and I went to change it to the word rad. <laughs> okay. But that seems like no, that's like the best specifically gym locker combination, I think. Yeah, I felt good about it. But yeah, like, <laughs> apparently yeah, I did should. not read those instructions clearly enough. So, like, I closed the lock, and I went to reopen it with my brand new combination, and that combination was not the word rad. Like, somewhere (laughs) in the process, I had made a bad error, (laughs) and so I had just bought this brand new, like, combination lock, and it was locked, and I could not open it. (laughs) So, wait, so is it just, like, an inert piece of metal now? Did you get it open, or? what I had to do is I, I had, I guessed and it turned out that I was right that I had managed to get the first like digit correct so I knew I had to start on an R and then I just like went through I was like well is it R11 like nope guess not and I just had to sit there for an hour like decoding my combination lock so I could use it oh my god okay well I option was buy a new lock so how much was this lock? Oh, like eight bucks. It's not that big of a deal, but there's no reason to throw away eight dollars. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> anyway, so that was like the big exciting thing. Like I got all ready to go to the gym, and then I needed to like sit down and do some code breaking. <laughs> that might be the nerdiest gym story I've ever heard. Yeah, I had to go on YouTube to figure out if there's like a special way to like pick this lock. It was great, uh, Dave. <laughs> What is our second star of the week? Man, our second star of the week is sort of a, a combo star. So last weekend was, not last weekend, last Thursday, was Thanksgiving, which as we mentioned was great. It was wonderful. And I forgot something. I don't know why I forgot this, but I forgot one of the best parts of Thanksgiving, Matt. Thanksgiving leftovers. Oh, man. I Yeah. I don't know why. And also... I like I like low key tricked myself because when I made the stuffing, the aforementioned stuffing to bring to like Thanksgiving, I had made extra and I like put it in a pan and covered it and put it in the back of my fridge, and then amazingly, forgot about it for like three days, and then I went in my fridge. And I was like, "What was? Oh yeah!" And I had a whole pan of stuffing, like fresh, not like even leftover stuffing, fresh stuffing. With like turkey salad and a little cranberry, had the sandwich. I oh, got the Thanksgiving, amazing. yeah, the Thanksgiving sandwich. See, it's the problem the is when I when I left Thanksgiving dinner, I did not think to uh, like try to scavenge any leftovers when I walked out. Oh uh, yeah, you got to make a plate, man. Oh, it's like I, Thanksgiving one one oh two. Like we were just watching TV, and then all of a sudden it was time to go, uh, and I made a tactical error. Ooh. Yeah, no, that's rough, man. But listen, here's, I don't know, okay, I say this every Thanksgiving, and I don't know why. Like, you can just make Thanksgiving dinner. Like, they sell turkeys other times, and stuffing doesn't take that long. Like, you could just make, and I say that every year, and every year I'm like, this year we're just gonna, like, I'm gonna have Thanksgiving in, like, a September, or not September, but, like, a time when it doesn't make sense to have Thanksgiving. And then I never do. Uh, but you could, you could have, you could just do that for yourself. Did you know, Matt, sorry, perhaps. very briefly, speaking of perhaps, speaking of Thanksgiving dinners, I, uh, hate love diners, drive-ins and dives. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like the, show. the actual diners, drive-ins and dives. I hate yeah. basically everything else about that show. Yeah. They're great. Like the diners, drive-ins and dives themselves are awesome. Uh, Guy Fieri is a, bleached monster from some unknown level of a dark pit but um there is a diner drive-in or dive somewhere that just serves thanksgiving dinner like that's all they serve that sounds all day every day yeah all day every day they just cook like 30 turkeys and like you know like eight million pounds of stuffing and you can either have like thanksgiving dinner like thanksgiving breakfast hash or like a thanksgiving sandwich and and pies and that's their whole menu which is an incredible idea I, I will also, say, be, before we get off this topic, um, uh, Drivers, Dines, and Dives, or however that works. Yeah, I, I don't the respect the show enough to remember the name properly. But the triple uh, D. 
here is a fun game if you are ever forced to watch that show. <laughs> you will not win this game because I know what the game is. Pull out a stopwatch or the stopwatch app on your phone. You don't even, you just count. And try to find a camera shot that lasts longer than three full seconds. And I promise you, you will maybe get one per episode. I maybe. I I don't ever actually remember having won this game. Uh, sometimes ever. when he's like driving or like about to go into the restaurant, you'll get maybe five seconds before the camera cuts. Yeah, it's just this insanely frenetic show. Uh, but the restaurant, it's a bummer because the restaurant's like really good and oftentimes like very low key. Uh, Guy Fieri is the wrong dude for that show. Uh, He's the wrong dude for most things, Dave. Yeah, a lot of things. (laughs) What he's great for is being made fun of by Bobby Moynihan on Saturday Night Live. Uh, So the second holiday sort of oriented thing I want to talk about is that Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Christmas decorations are up at my house. Oh, do you have a tree yet? Don't have a tree yet. I think we're going to do that this weekend. That's where I am. I've got a lot of my decorations up, but I think the tree is going to wait until either this weekend or next Monday. <laughs> so, Beth, we were trying to figure out, like, well, yeah, yeah, like, what do you want for, for Christmas, right? Beth and I, my wife, were talking. And she said, like, for her present, she just wants to get, like, buck nutty with decorations <laughs> we just got that brand new house you got to put stuff up somewhere right we got a new house and so she is going like full it's like a 1960s kitsch meets dickensian like christmas mashup okay yeah there's a lot of garland and lights and like you know like the fakey candles that sit in your windows oh yeah i know those ones yeah she loves those like, with the little I've... like light bulbs that flicker yeah exactly i've got like probably 18 of those things on my kitchen table and that is as i'm doing this beth is setting up yet more decorations uh i'm normally like i like decorations and normally i'm a little like "Eh," like maybe don't do so much but she (laughs) she's so excited about it that like i've kind of her i it's literally infectious enthusiasm. Like she's so into it that I'm just like, yeah, get some like more garland like in that. here. Like once, like there's a like a little bit of decorations, and then there's like that's kind of a lot of decorations. But then when you get over that tipping point, and you're just like, no, like we ha- like this is decoration central. Everything is decorated. <laughs> right. Like once you get over that line, it just right, you gets have to- better. You have to reach the singularity, and then it's all up from there. It's in- it's awesome. So yeah, uh, yeah, my house is just super Christmassy, and I'm real into it. I love Christmas because it's the best. So uh, Matt, what is our third star of the week? Dave, the third star of the week is that okay. You know I love comic books. I, know I do you know love you comic love comic books. books. You do know that I love comic books. We don't talk about comic books that much on this show because well, I mean because it's a Super Sentai show, not a comic book show. Right, um, there are other people that do that. Very well, and it's you know we don't need to do that. No, which actually but I we do love comic books. A later star, but uh, the other reason we don't really talk about comics is that most of the way that I read Marvel comics is via the Marvel Unlimited app. Oh yeah, Merry Last Christmas. Yeah, thank you very much. No uh, worries. And so, like all of the comics that I read are like six months behind. Right. But what that means is that now. I'm finally starting to get all of like the new Secret Wars Battle World tie-ins. Oh, yeah, I should read those. Dude, you should absolutely read those because like they are just straight up bananas and a lot of them are super good. The only one that I had read before this was uh I I, I bought all of the X-Men 92 issues. Okay. Uh cuz that book got Chamber in it. And dude, I will buy any old book yeah. that has old oh, Generation dude, X characters so in it. So cool. Have we had a star about how much like Generation X is one hundred percent my jam? And it I makes me like super think... sad that for whatever reason, like apparently no one else remembers that they existed. Uh no, I don't think we okay, have we do not have time for that now. Uh because seriously, <laughs> once I get started about talking about that, like it does not stop until I am like yelling at Chuck Alston. But <laughs> <laughs> um, all of these Secret Wars tie-ins are, uh, like, 
I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go into a whole list of them, but like, if you have access to these things, if you got the app and you haven't read them yet, or you know, go to your local shop, dude, those Secret Wars tie-ins, like all the Battle World stuff, because it's all like, like all of the like characters got splintered off into these weird like pocket universe things that are all smashed together. So it's recognizable characters in totally unrecognizable like formats, I guess. Okay, awesome. So, like, in there was this one short story where, like, Doctor Strange had died, but his, like, spirit was, like, living on inside of the Punisher. And so it's, like, oh, the dude. Punisher running around, but he has, like, Doctor Strange's, uh, like, cloak of levitation and his leopard print gloves, and he's doing, like, making, like, magic grenades and stuff. Oh, my God. And he's fighting, like, uh, yes. evil versions of the new Fantastic Four, the one that was the Hulk, uh, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Ghost Rider. Dude, oh, like... Oh, man. It's just... They just go for some deep, deep cuts and put a weird spin on them. You should totally check it out. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's all we got for that Oh, man, star. I did... I saw a, uh, I saw a poster. I saw a poster for Doctor Strange. Like an actual poster or like a fan Photoshop poster? No, no, no. Like I think the I think it's the actual. I didn't like not like physically. I didn't see it. I saw it online. Where else do you see things? Uh, but no, I, I think it's the actual poster, and it looks it looks awesome. Oh my gosh, I, it's gonna be so good. Okay, I believe that it looks good. I also believe that what you saw was not a real poster because I have not seen any like news about that, and I feel like I would have. Maybe I, will, I don't know. It did look check cool. Check this though. out later. Yeah. Definitely. But, Dave, uh, what, then, is our fourth star of the week? Oh, okay, so here's our fourth star of the week. You actually don't know what it is, because I said it was a secret. So, here's the surprise, is that your Christmas presents from Mom and Dad have started to arrive at my house. Oh, so, nice. So, yeah, so uh, I know what your Christmas presents are, and they're downstairs in my house right now, because uh, our Sorry, long-time listeners will know our parents live overseas, uh, and so for Christmas, they just ship us presents, and like all their presents, they just order, and they all arrive at my house, and then they sort of get like distributed from there, but Merry Pre-Christmas, your stuff is downstairs, I think you're going to like it. Well, I'm very much looking forward to that, and uh, I'm going to have to stop thinking about it so I don't try to guess anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, Mom, since I know you listen to this part of the podcast, our mother likes this part because she likes to hear us talk because she lives overseas. She has zero interest in Super Sentai, but she likes this part. So, hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Uh, Your Christmas present also has arrived, Mom, and it's awesome, and you're going to super love it. So, that's it on Secret Stars. Christmas is coming, and I'm real excited. I know I already said that. I'm saying it twice. So, Matt, uh, that's our... That's our (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was it. I'm just excited about Christmas. That's our fourth As star. well you should uh, be. As well I should be, because I am simultaneously uh, 80 years old, but also I exist in like a weird fugue state, I've discovered, that I am, uh, I'm like 80 years old, like in my heart, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like I like, I like old man candy and a, a good pair of shoes, uh, but I am that old man who is also... Like, I'm an old man who's very young at heart. Does that make sense? So you, you bridge the gap from 1 to 93? Yeah, exactly. Well, then Merry Christmas to you, Dave. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> um, you know who is actually not going to have a Merry Christmas this year, Matt? Well, I, I know what you're going to say, and I hope she does, but our grandmother is actually no longer in the 1 to 93 range that the song, like, <laughs> describes. Right. I hope, she, I hope she has a very Merry Christmas. But yeah, she's too old now. She's like 90. She's too old. Uh, all right. So now, 1 to 92, but, whatever it is. It's, it is. She's 93. The song goes 1 to 92. So I'm going to wish my grandmother a Merry Christmas, although that song uh, is not anymore. <laughs> so what, Matt, is our... Fifth star of the week. Okay, Dave. Our fifth star of the week is, I mentioned earlier, other comic book podcasts, right? Yeah. Well, other podcasts that do comic books. So, um, there was recently, and I think I mentioned it maybe on this show, maybe just to you in passing, um, there was a big like nine-part comic book crossover event 
or okay, comic book awesome. podcast crossover event where the different, like a bunch of different comic book podcasts, like all guested on each other's shows and did like okay, roundtable yeah. discussions. It was really good. Uh, it was called the Secret Convergence on Infinite Podcasts. And if you didn't already listen to it, go listen to it. But, um, <laughs> and I already listened to a handful of the shows that were part of it, like uh, War Rocket Ajax, uh, Rachel Miles Explained the X-Men, Journey into Misery, one or, two, one or two of the other ones. But there was one that I had not yet listened to that I have started listening to, and that's what I want to talk about. Uh, it was yeah. called Wait What? <laughs> and specifically, okay. they are doing a series of special episodes called Baxter Building. Where they are okay. going through the entirety of the first volume, like the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Four, and just talking about like its development and like what's going on in it and so forth. Oh, dang! And uh, they that's, do like yeah, it's like that's a, awesome. Like they put out one episode of that format, I think a month, and it's like a two-hour episode. Um, in each one, they take on like ten or twelve issues. It what's really okay. interesting about it is that they're not just oh, so they're talking... covering like a year at a time. Yeah. Dang. Okay, that's awesome. So, like, since they're taking like so much time with it, they're really sort of getting into it. But what's cool is that they're not like they are talking about the stories, but it's not just like a like a recap of the events. It's more sort of an examination of the development of the series and like the. Cr- like, they're trying to figure out sort of, like, the creative process that went into it. Like, oh, like, it's clear in this bit that, like, this was Jack Kirby doing a thing. And, like, Stan Lee was basically not involved in this issue. And in this okay. one, you can tell that, like, Stan was really involved because of, like, X, Y, and Z. And it's, like, it's, I, I've just been listening to it all day. So I've got a ton of Fantastic Four on the brain. And they're just getting into, well, they're far past it now. But, or I'm listening to it. They're just getting into, like the late 30s, early 40s of the Lee Kirby run, which if you've read the Lee Kirby run of Fantastic Four, you know that like that is where the good, like that's where the beat starts. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's super good. Uh, if you have like a bunch of hours that you need to fill your ears and you like the Fantastic Four, uh, you should listen to it. No, that sounds, yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, anyway, so that is our fifth star of the week. Dave, we are going to take a quick break. We are going to watch episode 13 of Chojin Sentai Jetman, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 13, A Maze of Love. Dave, break this one down for me. There's a lot this week. There's there's a lot <laughs> this week. Uh, first of all, we definitely do have A Maze of Love, in which our Jetmen are trapped. Uh, and then we well, have a... four of our five Jetmen are yeah, trapped. Yeah, four of our five Jetmen are trapped. Uh, Akko is totally fine. And then there's a camera dimension monster, which uh, the fact that it's a camera dimension is, is really neither here nor there. And it's a cliffhanger episode, so we don't actually uh, we don't get that sweet, sweet resolution yet. I'm sure we will. But we do get a lot of other stuff. So Holy let's crap, we do. It. So we start at Sky Camp. And it is Ryu's birthday party. Yep. He, he is. is 26 years old. Yes. Uh, and in case you needed a reminder that Akko is young, she's like, Ryu, you're so old. He's like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm like 26. I'm 26. I'm still in the prime of my youth. Uh, they all so, pour champagne yeah. to toast his birthday. And uh, it looks like there's Akko a bunch of... Akko is also drinking, even though she's like 14 or something. Hey, that's... I don't... I have no idea. Maybe that's legal there. It probably isn't. So it looks like a really lavish spread. And my initial assumption was that Kauri had just like sprung for this lavish party. Turns out, not the case. Kauri cooked everything. So she's made all of this food. And she's not, been taking yeah. cooking classes. Cook it all. Yeah, she has been taking cooking lessons for a month to learn how to do it all. Yeah. So Ryu takes like a big bite of something. It might be like a chicken leg or something. Okay, and I he, just want to say something. He takes a big bite. Uh, he does not like serve himself onto a plate. He just grabs a fork and like shoves it into a random platter and eat what eats whatever comes back on his fork. <laughs> so he takes a big bite and then he makes a face 
that looks like he's like, mmm, good. And then he says, like, wow, Kauri, this is very tasty. But I I would have put money down that he was lying and that everybody else was going to eat it. And they're just like, oh, Kauri, this is really bad. And he's like, no, yeah, I thought it was the good. The face that he makes is very much like, I'm going to keep my face as ambiguous as possible until I can figure out the right way to describe this food. Right. But then everybody else eats it. They're like, oh, yeah, this is delicious. So I don't know why they had Ryu make that weird face. Uh, he's not lying. The food is actually very good. So Ryu's like, wow, Kauri, this is great. You're such a good cook. You're going to make a fantastic wife someday. Kauri is over the moon about this statement. Because she is of so course, into it. She needs to like walk away from the group and like stand somewhere, like holding her hands over her heart and smiling. <laughs> right. Because as the first twist in our maze of love, uh, you will recall that Kauri is super into Ryu. So uh, Akko is just like, Ryu, you should just marry Kauri already. Like, get it over with. Again, like she's Kaori, clearly into you. Right. Kauri overcome with happiness. And Ryu uh, just, like, shorts out. Like, he's not really sure what to do. And so he just, like, stares past Akko and doesn't say anything. Uh, Guy is also not saying anything. And he is just glowering at nothing in particular. Right, because remember, twist two in our maze of love. I'm going to say it as much like that every time as I can. Uh, so twist two in our maze of love uh, is that Guy is super into Kauri. So Kauri super into Ryu, Guy super into Kauri. Next we scene. Will, we will get back to our further twists in our maze of love <laughs> a maze of love but right now we go to a swimsuit modeling photo shoot uh <laughs> right okay so the model she's in like a swimsuit the photographer uh i have no idea what his outfit is supposed to be he's got like high-waisted floods with suspenders and then like a blue black and gold paisley shirt and like a flat top with like a bandana going around it to like hold the flat top up the the model she's wearing this hot pink swimsuit and it's like it's not a one piece it's not a two piece it's like a one and a half piece it's like yeah it's like the skirt of swimsuit because like in the Perfect. front it's a one piece and in the back it has straps as though it were a two piece it is a weird look yeah it's a weird it's it's like a, it's hot couture man it's uh it's like a weird like if the photographer is telling me anything is that this is definitely high fashion for the time so she's like they take a few pictures of her and then the cameraman Says, and I don't, like, I wanted to attribute this to, like, a weird translation thing. I have no idea how this could be mistranslated. Because the photographer goes to the model, and her name is, like, Saya or something. And he's like, oh, hey, push your breasts up a little more. Dude, kids show. This is a kids show, guys. Yeah, man. I, I, I think I was probably writing down my sweet scorch joke when that was happening, so I completely missed it. Oh, yeah. No, he's just like, hey, uh, just hike those bad boys up a little bit, which is bizarre. Uh, so Maria kind of phases in in the background, puts her dimension scorpion on the camera. So we've got camera dimension monster, who then, like, while no one is looking, shoots the model with, like, an energy beam of some kind. And then, not immediately, but, like, the, the photographer turns back around and, like, tosses a towel to her. Like, hey, you know, good job. Like, hit, hit oh, like the showers, great. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as he tosses the towel to her, she, like, fades out of existence. Right. So, it, like, it goes through her first, like, she's intangible, and then she disappears completely. And then we do, like, a quick cut to the Viram dimension, where Maria... Maria has, like, an evil photo album, but, like... It looks like it's like it's a very nice photo album. It's like decorated with like her. <laughs> I was like gonna it say, kind of looks like her costume. It coordinates. Like she put some effort into this. Like she is into crafting. That yeah, is this one is like... thing that we have learned about Maria this episode. She <laughs> this is, is into like, like dark scrapbooking. dimension scrapbooking. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so she said, like, she does the kind of explanation. She says that the uh, that camera dimension can trap people in photographs, and then those photographs appear in her, like, dark dimension scrapbook. Okay? Okay, so we cut from there to Cowrie's mansion. Right. Cowrie is in a sitting room, I guess, and she is knitting. She's knitting a red, obviously. She's knitting a red something. We don't know what she's knitting. Butler arrives with tea. And he puts the tea down, and then he starts giving her tips. He's like, oh, no, like, my good lady Cowrie, like, this is how you knit. So apparently the butler is an expert knitter. And he's, like, like he is really, like, going to town criticizing her knitting abilities. He's like, oh, no, yeah. you need to, like, put your back into it, and, like, really get the strength in your armpits. No, he says you're putting too much strength in your armpits. You need to be, like, a gentle flowing flower. <laughs> it's... Like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Knows how to it's like, this is like fundamental level. This is the criticism. Uh, and um, she's saying like, oh, it's coming together so nicely. Soon Ryu and I will have matching like sweater vests is what it is. Oh, I missed that part. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, like this in this episode, Kaori I mean, is like. It's clearly for I'm not going to say dangerously, but. Like, creepily obsessed with Ryu. Yeah, she's coming on a little bit strong. And no, so... Okay, whatever. We, we will... Uh, we'll, we'll just leave it at coming on a little bit strong, I guess. <laughs> uh, she is continuing to knit this thing. She is so bad at knitting and is putting so much effort into it that she keeps, like, stabbing herself in the fingers with knitting needles. And listen, I have seen knitting needles. Knitting needles are not sharp. Yeah, like, this you're is not, not... Gonna accidentally like prick yourself and start bleeding everywhere, which is exactly what she does. And the butler is like, "I can, like, I can do that for you." She's well, like, "No, I, I need finish to finish that. this myself." And gets like this crazed smile on her face. <laughs> That's the best way to say it. It is. It's an. It's an unsettling smile. And the like... thing is, if you've never watched the show, Cowrie has these like super deep dimples on her cheeks. Yeah. And so whenever she's going in for, like, this crazed, like, love smile, they like, it just super, it's super pronounced and, like, kind of unsettling looking, honestly. <laughs> um, okay, so Kauri is doing some, uh, some creepy knitting, and then we, we cut away from there and we see it's Guy's Club. Not like, he doesn't own it, but that's, like, his club that he hangs out in. He's shooting pool. Ryu walks by himself. in by himself. Ryu walks in, orders a warm milk because that's like his super fave, apparently. Dude, okay, there are two people that I know to have ever ordered uh, milk at a bar. It is Ryu in this show, and it is Jason Todd in an issue of Batman where, like, Batman and Robin go to a bar. Because Batman needs to get information from a dude who owns the bar. Oh, yeah. I remember that episode. Remember that one? Alan Davis drew it? Episode. Issue. Yeah, no. I totally remember. It's in like a Best of Joker compilation uh, or something. The Stacked Deck. The greatest Joker stories yeah. ever told. I can't uh, remember the issue number. And the book is in another room. So look it up, listeners. <laughs> and so, so it turns out uh, Ryu's like, hey, so why did you invite me over? It's obviously kind of weird. Why would Guy invite Ryu to his favorite, uh, you know, dive? And guy makes no bones. He's like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to drink with you. Like, we're not here as pals. And he says, you have to recognize that Kauri is super into you. Like, what are you going to do about it? Because I'm really into her, and I won't let anyone hurt her, I think is what he says, right? Yeah, the idea that's coming across here is that, like, Guy is super into Kauri. But it's not just that, like, he is upset that... Kauri is into Ryu, and that means that she is not into him. He is particularly upset that Ryu does not seem to be doing anything about the fact that Kauri is into him, and he's very worried that Kauri is going to, like, have her heart broken. Right. And so, there's a couple of things that happen very quickly. And, well, I'm sorry, before that happens, my bad, uh, Ryu... It, like, responds to Guy getting angry, and Ryu's like, dude, we're warriors. So is Kauri. Like, no time for love, Dr. Jones. Blah, blah, blah. And Guy, 
again, reinforcing the idea that Guy is a scoundrel with a heart of gold. He's like, he's like, that's an insane thing to say. What's wrong with you? We're people first and then warriors. And he, I think he'd like, he like kind of roughs Ryu up, right? I think he like, he grabs him by the jacket. And he's saying like, oh, but like, I see what it is. Like, you've probably never loved a woman. And then now we maybe see why Ryu is so intense about being warriors. Because if you don't remember, uh, his like longtime lady friend dies. Okay, and and uh, I'm sorry, what is this that you're about to describe to me? Wait, what? It's the, 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 the name of the episode. Oh. Give it to me, man. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, I uh, I clearly was not as committed to that joke as I thought I was. So in our thir- third in our third twist in our maze of love, uh, we remember that Ryu's like longtime lady friend uh, died in the horrifying vacuum of infinite space in the first five minutes of this show. So to recap briefly. Kauri's into Ryu. Guy is into Kauri. Ryu is into his dead girlfriend slash justice. Not that his dead girlfriend is justice. Those are the two things he's interested in. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not, uh, he can't handle love right now. He's still recovering from the death of Rie, which is her name. And, and uh, don't forget, and also... uh, Rie has been transformed into the Viram leader, Maria. Yes. Well, it's the same actress, and we don't exactly know what the deal is, but it is definitely the same actress. There's, there is a deal, we just don't know what the deal is quite yet. So what so, we get now is a series of flashbacks of like young super cops in love, yeah, like, prancing through the park, and like there's a weird bit where like... Rie in this flashback has like a red bandana. Well, she uh, is pretending to be like a bull and is charging at it. Right. Except he doesn't charge. Well, she, it's his bandana. She grabs it out of his back pocket and that's why they're like messing around. Right. And she like waves it like a flag and he's like, ah, and he does bull horns with his fingers. And then he looks at her and then he just like jumps up and down. (laughs) It's like Ryu, I understand that maybe bullfighting is not part of your cultural heritage, uh, but that's not what bulls don't do that. At least how you're doing it. Like bulls definitely do jump up and down, but not. <laughs> it's not I don't know. Like it's, that? It's, what we're learning here is that it's probably for the best that in most of these episodes to this point, we have not seen a whole lot of like reuse dating life because yeah. it's just like weird and incomprehensible. Okay. So then it like it flash oh so guy we flash back and guy says like I will make Re- Kauri fall in love with me and like you can't stop me and I'm going to do it and blah blah blah. And he leaves. he kind of storms off. And then we have another reminiscence where like we zoom or we zoom in rather on Ryu. He's drinking his warm milk. He's and dramatically then it kind drinking of, his warm milk. Yeah, and then it sort of zo- zooms out from there, and we see that we've changed scenes, and now it's like upper middle class old Ryu. I think it's supposed to be. It turns out it's actually not. He just dresses like an older person. No, this I, is just okay. You know how his jacket says Posh Boy, but all he ever wears is like a t-shirt and a letterman jacket that says Posh Boy? Oh yeah. This, this is, is... Ac- this must be his actual Posh Boy outfit because he looks like a Ken doll. He's wearing like a <laughs> like a horizontally striped rugby shirt with a sweater like slung over his shoulders and khakis. Right. And Rie is playing the piano. It's like a sort of dramatic uh, classical piece. I think it's Beethoven, but like I'm not nearly educated enough to like say that confidently. But it sounds sort of like Beethovenian dramatic. Okay. And so he is sort of listening to her play the piano, and then he fades back out to sitting at the bar, and he says, Oh, Rie, I wish I could just hear you play piano playing like one more time. So, we cut away from the bar, and here is an interesting thing that is happening with Camera Dimension, right? Yeah. So, we cut to a Camera Dimension sort of like rampage. But what's interesting is that Camera Dimension doesn't seem to live in just one camera. Yeah. He can manifest in any camera, seemingly anywhere. 
some kids get taken by camera dimension in a picture in front of a flower bed. And then there's a wedding, a bride and a groom. And then someone else, I forget. Um, there was someone else. I forget what it was. But it, like the camera is like snatching people up all over town. Yeah, it does. It raises a lot of questions as regard the dimensional beasts about like just how far their power extends. Well, I mean, we have seen this with other ones. Like, if you remember, like, Mirror Dimension could be in any reflective surface. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and there was another I actually one had that was sort of all over that. the place. Road Dimension could, like, control traffic lights, but also, like, make earthquakes on the street and, like, tear the asphalt apart. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, actually, so it doesn't raise a whole bunch of questions. It just reminds me that the Dimensional Monsters are crazy powerful. Uh, and all, obviously not very smart because they do not use their insano powers in actually very strategic ways. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, so we cut to the Viren dimension and Maria is like super pleased with the way things that are going. And she says, remember the deal we made? Because if I'm the one who kills the Jetman, I get to be the leader. And Radigat gets... Radigat is a super creeper. Yeah, uh, and he gets super creepy because he says, don't you understand, no matter what you do, like your future lies in my hands or something appropriately like weird and possessive. Oh, I do want to jump back for just a second, Matt. Mm-hmm. And so, so while Rie is, or not Rie, Maria, is looking at her evil scrapbook, right? Sure. She says, I will decorate with pictures of the Jetmen, uh, which she will actually not be able to do because as soon as the camera dimension hits you, you disappear and you turn into one picture. So, like, you can't get multiples. I guess you can make copies of the picture. Maybe they can get, like, the evil photocopier from Die Ranger to come in. There you go. Nice cut. Um, okay. So, after. So. That happens, and then Radigat gets super creepy, and then Gray, the robot virum revolutionary, sits down at a piano that I don't know why it's there. they just have a grand piano in the virum dimension. Right. And he starts, like, picking out, like, basic, like, uh, you know, tunes. And, like, Tran gives him some business about it. Like, ha, robot that loves music. Which, like, dude, he already, like, smokes cigars and drinks sherry. I don't know why Right, and he looks interested. up and, like, it, it, it's kind of hard to figure out what Gray is thinking because he's got a robot face and so you can't, like, read his face super well. Um, you know, you're, that's right. what I got from it was that he is, like, he's a very sort of cultured guy. Well, robo guy. Right. Um, and so he really wants to be able to play piano, but he just, like, he doesn't know how yet, and it's really upsetting him. Yeah, I was actually going to say, you don't see his face, but the, whoever is in that suit sells that concept with body language very well. Super well. Yeah, because he obviously, like, he gets up and kind of storms away, and he's clearly upset about what Tran says. So everybody else is gone, and Maria sits down at the piano and sort of in a in a, a haze, a trance, maybe, uh, she starts playing. And of course, she plays the same piece that Ryu remembers Rie playing. And, you know, obviously, like, she's super good at it. Cause, right. Oh, I so, don't know if we mentioned earlier, like, Rie was very good at playing the piano. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I felt like that was implicit in saying she was playing this, like, classical Beethoven piece. But, yeah, she does super well. Like, she's not learning to play the piano on this piece. She just knows it. Uh, I do have, like, a low-grade problem with this. Okay. Here, And it's, like, it's, it's super <laughs> nitpicky. But I just feel like if you're the writer of this show, right? Uh-huh. If you think that your audience is cool and is, like, at the maturity level where you can just throw in lines about, like, hiking up your model breasts, mm-hmm. I feel like you could also maybe make this foreshadowing slightly more subtle. I just... Okay. <laughs> like I said, it's nitpicky. I'm just saying. 
Okay, so she is playing it. In my notes, it just says, all look on in wonder. Like, Gray is particularly... Like, everyone else... I think Radigat and Tran are sort of still in the room elsewhere and sort of look over, surprised. And Gray looks over, and he looks very, like, yes. Piano, this is how you do it. This is awesome. Uh, Also, we discover in this scene that from behind, Maria looks like a mushroom person from the Mushroom Kingdom. (laughs) She does have a ridiculous hat. She totally does. Like, but from behind, very obviously, like, one of Princess Peach's subjects. Uh, Okay, so that's a real long time on a very short scene. Let's jump to Sky Camp. Okay. So we we go to Sky Camp. Kaori hands Ryu this present, and she says, like, oh, it's happy birthday. I'm super sorry. I was trying to have it done for your birthday. I didn't get it done in time. He opens it up, and Akko looks at it, realizes that it's this handmade sweater, and she's like, ooh, this looks handmade. Ryu kind of looks at the sweater, sees Kaori's smiling slash expectant face, and realizes what he thinks he has to do, which is reject this gift. Because as we've mentioned before, Ryu has no people skills. Yeah, just, he's just a brick. And so, okay, what he's thinking here, it seems, is like, oh, I've had this conversation with Kai, And Guy is right about at least the fact that I shouldn't be, like, leading Kauri on. Like, I should, you know, like, sort of cut this off at the head. And so he does that in, in like, um, the worst way possible. Yeah, I'm confident saying the worst way possible. Like, Kauri's fingers are covered in Band-Aids. There's a close-up on Which he sees. Like, he does not, he's not ignorant of that. Yeah, uh, in my notes, I think I just have it say, where is it? Yeah, it just says Ryu is a butt. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and he just, he rejects it like a robot. He's just like... (laughs) That is exactly what it does. Like, Grey has more emotion in this episode than Ryu does. Yeah, he just like, he looks at it, he looks at her, and then with both hands... Like, gives it back to her and just says, I cannot accept this gift. Or, like, you have to take this back or something. And Kauri, because she is, like, you know, she's a very cultured lady. She manages to, like, hold it together and offer up, like, a weird excuse about having to see a friend. And she manages to not cry long enough to, like, get away from everyone else before she starts crying. A guy chases after Kauri. And Raita is, like, furious with Ryu. And he, like, kind of, like, grabs him by the lapels and is just like, I won't let anyone hurt Kaori, like, or I'll never forgive you or something like that. Ryu flashes back again to thinking about Rie, and I think specifically flashes back to the moment where she is sucked into the infinite and unforgiving vacuum of deep space, right? Yes, that, that is the precise moment that he uh, thinks back on. Not necessarily fondly, but he does think back on it. Right. So, what is it after that? Kauri, yeah, Kauri's okay, just Okay, so we cut right? outside and a guy is chasing after Kauri. He eventually catches her and he kind of like, this, weirdly, is the moment that Guy decides is ideal to sort of declare his love. Well, he's done this before. This might be the most sort of on-the-nose way that he's done it, but he's said basically this before. I think he has, but before it's always been able to, I think he's been able to play it off as maybe like a joke, like, oh, yeah, like, baby, you and me, right? But here, he really There was a whole episode called Fall For Me, where he, like, saved her life and got very upset that she wasn't already in love with him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, man, I'm just forgetting stuff. There's uh, there's a lot of Jetman to remember. So he catches up with her. And basically says the same things he said in that episode. Like, hey, like, I'm the one you should be falling in love with. I love you. Can't you see that? Uh, Decides that this is a great moment to kiss the woman who is actively trying to get away from him, which, guy. Uh, Yeah, that's a little... No good. That's not appropriate. Uh, You are not setting a good example for the kids. Kaori agrees because she just slaps him. Uh, he shouts, let's see, I have it written down. He says, why can't you understand my feelings? Uh, and then the Viram attack. 
Oh, it, it's it's better than that because like it's this whole scene and there's this music playing in the background, this sort of like dramatic, like romantic, emotional music. Mm-hmm. And it's playing up until the exact moment that the explosions go off and then the music just cuts. Like it doesn't like swell. There's not like a cue to like change the music. It just goes from dramatic music to explosion to fighting, and that's it. Yeah, it's a good dude. This whole fight is actually pretty fantastic, dude. Because... I love the extended fights between the untransformed Jetman and the Grinham soldiers. Yeah, they're really good. I think they're actually. I'm gonna go. Ah, is this true? I, no, feel like I, I know what you're going to say, and you're wrong, because the ones in Die Ranger were better. Yeah, they are. I guess I'm just a little bit farther away from them. Okay. Because the great thing in Die Ranger is that everybody had like their own special fighting style. Oh, that's right. That and is so it really was, cool. it was a lot more interesting. You got a lot more sort of variety in them. Okay. Uh, so, the Virum attack, and the Grinham soldiers apparently make weird squeaking sounds. Like, that's how they... It kind of came out of nowhere, and it I don't took remember me a second. hearing those sounds up until this point. Yeah, no, the, there's a reason for that. They haven't been there. Just like episode 13, somebody decided that the Grenham soldiers communicate, and I know this is like a weird cup, but they sound like guinea pigs. Yeah, a little bit. Now, now I will say, we will not get to this for another couple of episodes, and it might be a while yet, actually. Um, but the Grenham soldiers are capable of speech. Oh, no kidding. Like, I can tell you that for certain. That makes this weird squeaking thing even weirder. Like, if you can just... I don't even... Is this like a war cry? Is that the idea? Weird guinea pig war cries going on? I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, so we cut from the fight to Sky Camp. Very where, briefly. And like, yeah. There's, they're still sort of like dealing with the like emotional fallout of Ryu's terrible decisions. Right. And this is where we discover the fourth fourth this is where we discover the fourth turn in our maze of love uh which is that Raita is also in love with Kauri like more than good friend love well like, he's okay into it's, it's her. a little at this point it is still a little up in the air as to whether or not that's true because he says something about the fact that like he can't forgive people who are mean to Kauri and Akko asks him, like, do you, wait, do you like her too? But then he never gets a chance to answer because, like, we cut back to the other fight. Right. Oh, what we do see really quickly, we don't actually quite go back to the fight. We go to the Vyrum dimension. Remember this? So, oh, uh, yeah. Gray, yeah. So, Gray sits down at the piano, still trying to understand our inscrutable human artwork. And so he starts, like, picking out a piece on the piano and he is apparently like neoed piano playing because he could just do it now yeah like now that he has seen maria do it i think he has like learned from her like musical maybe, spirit maybe i don't know uh so he starts playing and this is awesome because that me like we're kind of cutting back and forth between the fight and gray but the whole fight now is scored with this like super dramatic classical piano piece. It's, it's so good. So it's, it's cutting so back good. and forth. They between, should like, do this all the time. It's cutting back and forth between like a rich lady and like a jazz playing like pool hall gambler fighting a bunch of like robot minions scored by the music of an evil classy robot playing the piano in the dark dimension it's amazing <laughs> okay so um the fight is going on it's guy and uh kauri they're fighting camera dimension he's got like a weird blady hook hand for some reason i have no yeah, idea why, why. uh and they are fighting across the city as per standard super sentai uh, thing. I was actually, Matt, just like, I was walking home the other day. I was like, I'm going to go back and listen to the very first episode of uh, Living That Die Ranger, right? Oh, okay. How did it hold up? Uh, I actually feel pretty good. I think it holds up pretty well. The sound quality isn't uh, as good because like, we were like just talking to our computers. But uh, <laughs> I had to laugh because we were talking about how they... Like they throw a punch in an in an industrial park, and then when the person lands, they're just in like a green park, and there's no buildings anywhere. 
And uh, they're still doing it. It happens right here. They're in an industrial park. And then when somebody gets up, they just get up in like a giant green field and there's no buildings to be seen uh, anywhere. So they're fighting across the city. Maria arrives like along with the Gwynnum soldiers and pulls out her awesome like lightsaber light whip thing and throws like an energy crescent blade attack thing at Kauri, guy jumps in front of it to save her and then gets the message off to the remaining jet men back at Sky Camp. Uh, there was a brief moment in the fight that you skipped over, and it's not super oh, yeah. important, except it's another example of Guy being like a misogynist jerk. Uh, Fair and, like when they are getting attacked, Guy is like, No, Kauri, I need to protect you. You need to get out of here. And she's like, Wait, no, like I'm also a jet man. <laughs> Right, and then she proceeds to like punch a bunch of dudes in the face. Uh, yeah, because Kauri's awesome. Like, so, yeah, dude, like she, she is she there literally ev- almost every time that you fight. Like, she is part of this team. She is just as capable as you are. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so the Jetmen depart, and I think the idea is that maybe we've forgotten that they have special vehicles that you can buy for your kids, and so uh, the Jetmen. So Ryu, Raita, and Akko take their specialty vehicles out to the fight rather than their jet machines in case that you were forgot that they were available uh, for purchase. Uh, there is a new song, I think, playing in the background, like a new sort of like action-y song. Yeah, there definitely is. I don't know what it said, uh, but it is uh, definitely a dramatic and action-y song. There's a lot of new music and sound cues in these last couple of episodes. You notice that? I have, yeah, and I have no idea why you would you would think that they would want to introduce this stuff in the beginning. It's like Jet Icarus has a theme song. When we see Jet Icarus, Jet Icarus theme song. It's like, nah, it's just there. We're gonna uh, wait until like eh, three months into the show. <laughs> I have no idea why. Uh, my theory on that sort of thing is is honestly because they should they gotta shoot these shows like at least once a week, probably more frequently. Assuming that they're gonna want to like have some break time at some point, and so I think they just kind of get into these episodes, and then someone's like, "Dude, what if Jetikers had a theme song?" And people are like, "Yeah, that's awesome. Let's do it." But they just didn't think about it until then because they don't. How much planning time can they possibly have? They produce fifty episodes a year for thirty-five years. I really don't know. I would, be, I, I, dude, it's more than thirty-five. Like thirty-five was Gokaiser. I think that next year oh, geez, might be fortieth. Right. Like it could be. They're closing. Well, when in did on the first? Years. No, because when did the first one come out? It was nineteen seventy-three, right? We are getting way off track here. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so anyways, so uh, the Grinham soldiers pick up... So they're, we're back on this fight. The Grinham soldiers pick up Kauri and uh, throw her. So she lands. I don't know why they went through the trouble of doing that, but they did. I also don't know why she didn't cross-change and fly the same yeah, thing that she did last dude, episode when someone knows? threw her. Uh, she can't. She can't cross-change because reasons. Because uh, she and Guy never cross-change. Even when the other Jetmen show up and are already cross-changed, Guy and Kauri don't cross-change. Who knows why? Uh, Guy does like a flying kick at the camera dimension, gets the hit, gets kicked back, and then they're tied up. He and Kauri are tied up with film, I think is the idea. It looked like it was film, yeah. And then they're Which, doing uh, the- I'm sorry, real quick aside. Uh, to all of our younger listeners, cameras used to have, like, a thing inside of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, when light hit it, it would, like, change color. Uh, and it would, like, capture the image physically. Uh, never mind. This is boring. <laughs> I thought that was going to be funny. <laughs> never mind. Moving no, I on. Thought it was, uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, okay. So, so there's a fight. Akko shows up and does all of her flipping and flying around attacks. Because I don't know if we've mentioned it, but... In the same way that Raita's attacks always involve throwing people and things, Akko's attacks always involve, like, handsprings and jumping. Yeah. Oh, so real quick, uh, let me jump back before the other Jetmen arrive. So Kauri and Guy are done. Like, they are, like, they have lost this fight. So Maria, like, turns to Camera Dimension and she's like, okay, finish them off now. And then they hear, like, in the distance... Coming around a curve, like, hundreds of feet away are the other Jetmen on their vehicles. Camera Dimension, like, absolutely has all the time in the world that he needs 
to get off his like final trapping attack against Kauri and Guy. Uh, instead, he does not do that and just turns to fight the other Jetmen who like aren't even there yet. As so, we said earlier, lots of power, very dumb. <laughs> right. So, uh, so we get Akko, she does her flippy stuff. Raita does like a weird, like, spinny hurricane throw when he, like, cucks camera dimension someplace. Uh, Ryu turns to Guy and Kaori and is like, hey, listen, like, you guys gotta get out of here. I-, I don't know why he doesn't say, you guys gotta cross change, and then we need to use our, like, Invinso blasters and kill this guy or summon our giant fighting robot. I mean, both uh, of those but, seem like good plans, sure, but... Sure, but I think the really important thing is that you guys run away, despite the fact that we have at least 12 fights worth of evidence that in order to do anything effective, we need the power of five. Uh, you guys just book it. We'll be here. You know, whenever you want to come back. <laughs> so... Uh, so they're running. Guy and Kauri are running. Maria grabs Kauri, I think, by the neck, right? Uh, I believe you're right, yeah. And, like, with her, like, energy whip thing, yanks her back. Camera Dimension now is on on the ball and blasts Kauri with his, like, disappeary laser beam. So Kauri is now a photograph in the yeah. evil scrapbook. Which, weirdly, Maria just, like, has on her. Like, she just pulled, like, she didn't have it, and now it's here. It's a Super Sentai show. All, like, handheld objects exist in, like, an extra-dimensional space that can be summoned at will. (laughs) Um, So, the Rangers, I think, just intuit that Kaori is now a photo in this photo album, because they're freaking out, uh, despite the fact that they very obviously cannot see what's in this photo album because Marie is like 30 feet away and holding it up to her own face. Yeah. But actually, whatever. That's, that's, like, that's, that's not a, a very huge good jump. point. They have no idea what that thing does yet because this is the first time they're actually encountering it face to face. Yeah. They've never seen it. And so all that they know is that Maria has a book that she's looking at. Uh, but I guess they just make the jump. I don't know. Like, that makes sense. Camera dimension. Friend gets blasted with a laser. She disappears. Villain has a book that could be a photo album. Like, that's a pretty... I trust the Jetmen to get that far. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. We get another shot of, like, Gray playing the piano very dramatically. Yeah, and he finishes the piece, and then it's... uh, That's it. That's a to-be-continued. So, Dave, what is your high point of this episode? Uh, I my high point is Gray. Actually, he's only actually in the episode for I mean under two minutes, but I really like the idea that Gray is super into art and is trying to learn it, and also it provides the opportunity to have this like awesome classical piano score for this fight, uh, which super worked, and they should do it all the time. Uh, how uh, yeah, about you, was, man? That was going to be my high point too. I mean, I'll, I'll think of another one. but And also, as you said, um, the guy who plays Grey is so good at, like, selling the body language. Yeah, just as a killer job that it, it's very obvious what's going on, despite the fact that Grey, A, has no facial expression, and B, doesn't ever actually say anything in this entire episode. He only responds physically. It was really cool. Oh, you're uh, right. So, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah, he never says... I didn't think about it until just now. Uh, Yeah, he never says anything. So, all the more impressive. Uh, What, Matt, is your high point of the week? I'm going to say my high point of the week is uh, the briefly discussed no-costume Grinham soldier fight that Guy and Ah, That was a good one. Just a well-choreographed fight. Just a good, solid action scene. Like, there's not a lot of interesting commentary that I can throw on there. But uh, (laughs) if you're watching this episode, that's a good one. Uh, and so what is your low point of the week? Uh, low point of the week, I think, is just going to be, like, lazy and super obvious foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It's like, guys, come on. Give your audience a little credit. 
Well, I mean, I, How about I think you, man? at this point in the show, like, it's not supposed to be a secret to us, the viewer. Like, whether the uh, that's characters a good know or not, that's another story. But, like, we, the viewer, are at least familiar with the fact that, like, yes, like, Maria and Rie, if they're not the exact same person, are... Like, definitely... Basically the same person in, like, different stages. Yeah. I I can dig it. I can dig it. That's cool. We're not going to get super into this right now because it's going to be, like, (laughs) further explained throughout the course of the season. And I don't want to to tip you off too much now. I want you to sort of get that as we're going through. Okay, cool. Um, So, how about you, Matt? What is your low point? I'm going to say that my low point is reuse, like, a just drastic incompetence when it comes to dealing with any other human. (laughs) Like, he had one human being that he knew how to relate to, and that human being is now one of the Virum. All other, like, breathing people, he just... Everyone else is out. Like, you are either a warrior or someone to protect, and if you are not one of those two things, then I don't even think he sees you. (laughs) Like, his eyes just cannot even take in the light that reflects off of your body. Uh, yeah, man. yeah. He so is the, a, the basic he is a singular like, dude. nature of Ryu is my low point. <laughs> oh, when you say it like that, it's kind of it's kind of a bummer. Oh, dude, he's not he's not half as broken as he's going to be in later episodes. You just wait. Oh, jeez. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, not all the time. There was one in particular where Ryu has a bad day. <laughs> oh. Um, all right, man. So I think that's it from us. Yeah, that is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with a Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or connect with us on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help people find the show. Uh, I don't mention it enough, but those of you who have done that, Thank you. That's great. Yeah, You're all wonderful Thanks people. a bunch. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of the Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week.